Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. talk Padres baseball we've got you covered now is the right time to bring back Padres social hour as we await the start of the regular season Friar faithful get ready to sit back relax and join the conversation now coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond it's Padres social hour with your host Jesse Agler good evening and welcome to Padres social hour I am Jesse Agler we got a very fun show for you coming up tonight Don Orsillo and Mark Grant will join us and that's always a good thing on a Thursday because we have giggles Uh, a lot of guests on today's show as well we'll talk about the uh, new ticket policy uh, that the Padres put out this week in terms of uh, refunds and whatnot as it relates to games that have uh, not been played in this 2020 season Eric Gruppner the uh, team president will join us to talk about all of that we will also visit with Major Garrett of CBS News Claremont native and big-time Padre fan. And finally, Uncle Teddy joins Padre's Social Hour coming up in a little bit as well. Ted Leitner will join us via telephone. Bring in Don and Mud. Uh, we were kind of hanging out uh, before the show started. Nice shirts, by the way. And um, I, I, I got to tell you, oh, the giggles already started, Mudcat. We, we were off and running. We were on 15 minutes prior? Yeah. Ah. And busting each other's chops. It's a family show, so we'll just leave it at that. Why do you always? By the have way, to wear by the way, I, I wear. Why? Why? Why is it that you wear everything I wear? Why I have no it? idea. I was not in contact with you. You haven't called or written or emailed or texted. In. <laughs> you noticed, <laughs> but you know what? Can I? Can I get a, a PSA, um, uh, public service announcement out there for everybody in general? Yeah, please. Time, time to clip the nose hairs, the ear hairs, and the, the eyebrows. If you're above, uh, if you're older than fifty years old. Also, I suggested to everybody, when's the last time you cleaned out your ears? Do yourself a favor. Clean out your ears. It's all about hygiene. You'll be surprised what you find in there. <laughs> so that's my tip for the day. Guys? That's great. That's great information. Yeah. What, what about when when was the last time you gave yourself a good ear cleaning? I do it once a year. Okay. In you have a razor at your house? Huh? Do you have a razor at your house? I do. Actually, I shaved my head today. And oh, I great. Shaved, yeah. No, no, here. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm my goal is to look like David Letterman after it's all said and done. <laughs> you're well on your way. Yep. Uh, you're looking good. Um, we, we, as I said, we got a lot of fun stuff to get to. We, we could do ear stuff uh, for the entire time, but it's, it's probably not for the best because the pictures will come out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I saw an article today in, uh, in The Athletic, guys. I, I tweeted about it, and I got so excited. Uh, I couldn't wait to talk about it with you two. I was so glad that you two were on the show today when this came out. Lindsay Adler of The Athletic 
Uh, she, like a lot of people, obviously are looking for different things to write about as it relates to sports. And, you know, you can't cover games right now, so you got to be a little bit creative. And so she did like, I don't know, 15,000 words on the use of the term eyewash as it relates to the world of baseball. Um, I, I, I tried to explain to people on Twitter, A, what this means, because I don't think it's something that everybody is familiar with. And B, Don, just how frequently this term comes out of our mouths during the baseball season. Uh, five or six times a day, probably, <laughs> I would say. I mean, it's it, short of saying BS, I think, is the correct way to say it. I okay. Mean, that, that's the equivalent, I think. But it's the baseball way of saying it um, because it's really eyewash. It, it does nothing. I mean, it, you just you squirt it and really none of it gets in your eye. It really gets all over it and it just runs off your face. It's, it's like nothing. It's 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 eyewash. You know, so that, that's why I look at it. And usually, you know, something that applies to something that happens during the day. That's eyewash. I mean, that's you know how you what? used it correctly in a sentence. First of all, this guy's got a whacked out thumb. First of all, I mean, that's, <laughs> he either he either tore a ligament from the bone and it's swelling up. He needs to see a doctor quickly. Eyewash is not going to help. Yeah, eyewash is not going to help. And secondly, he's knotted up. I mean, what is going? Is this Marcillo as a oh, youngster? He's major league. He's knotted he's up. Is he, I'll tell you what. There's eyewash. That that tie is eyewash. <laughs> that's eyewash. That's, that's what I'm saying. And well, second, thirdly, nobody has their open eye like that so calmly and cool and collected when they're doing eyewash in one eye. Look at how relaxed that one eye is. My goodness gracious. Your eyes are either closed or it's like bugging out or whatever. There's no way you keep that other eye so calm and cool when you're doing eyewash. You know what my eyewash is? Security check before we get on our charters. <laughs> you know what I get for eyewash? You. You are eyewash. <laughs> but like, all, these images have all been pulled, literally, true story, from our like group text. Uh, because these get thrown back and forth with with great regularity. There's also a yeah. gift from the office uh, that goes there. So, so Mud, so if somebody's not catching on to like what we're trying to say here, how would you define eyewash in, in terms of like the way we use it? Eyewash is kind of like what Don, exactly what Don was saying. It's like it's useless. It's it's going through the motions just to justify your being there or your um, your existence. You, <laughs> Lindsay, here, I'll, I'll try to help you for a second. Lindsay in the story wrote that it's the person who, and I'm paraphrasing which how she wrote it, the person who's done with their work at three, but they stay to be the last one to leave the office. Oh, I wash. Yeah, save it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, False that's hustle. False hustle is another good now, one. Yeah. Now let me say this. No one gets more excited than the three of us when we find this in a stadium <laughs> anywhere we are in the league, and there are a lot of good ones. And this is one of the best uh, as far as, this is not just eyewash. It is an eyewash station. It doesn't get better than this. You see the picture at the top. That's where we got that from, you know, for the other image. Is this, uh, I always forget, is it Seattle? I think that's I Seattle. Yeah, I think maybe I think it's one of the domes. I, there's one in Houston that's real good. and I That's can't a really good one. What, what if your eyes are closer together? <laughs> that, that's pretty far apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go one at a time. But nothing like a station, boy, when they have one available for you. Um, so funny. it's the, the story basically is just how everybody in baseball uses the term, but that like normal people, like it's not part of the like everyday lexicon. So hopefully okay. we can start to change that a little bit here. She did an amazing deep dive. It, it, she quoted Aaron Boone, the Yankee manager, who said, you writing this article is eyewash. That's, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> OK, here, here's another eyewash. 
safety instructions before a flight takes off. Really? Well, that's true. I mean, if you crash into a mountain, none of that's really going to apply. <laughs> Good happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to put it, on the thing. Hold more, on. It's, it's more for a water landing, is my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Chelsea. Chelsea. Sully. I'm trying to think, you know, I'm trying to go through the day that you, uh, us three, like we're going on the bus, getting in the ballpark, and where what would constitute as eyewash? <laughs> um, oh, uh, garnish on your plate, the little parsley garnish, eyewash. Get rid of it. You're wasting oh, no, money. I disagree. I disagree. It's oh, all about presentation. <laughs> It's all about presentation. That's oh, yeah, presentation. sure. That yeah. is not eyewash. My Give friend. me my dinner in a burlap sack and shake it all up and I'll eat it. I mean, the presentation, <laughs> really? Well, that's your palate, though. It's very... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The welfare <laughs> palate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said that. I did not. <laughs> but the, the palate that uh, anything is pleasing to this palate? Sloppy Joe's. Oh, Best well, if you could have anything in the world, what would it be? Uh, liverwurst and mustard sandwich on a wheat. Oh, so good. Uh, cottage cheese mixed with applesauce. So good. No, no, um, yeah. Just hard to find at good restaurants, though. You know, that's a tough part. Yeah. I, I think Mud would say, Don, please correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I, I feel like the thing I've heard most frequently out of his mouth in regards to eyewash would be wearing ties. Mm, yes, no question. Yeah. Uh, jacket, suit of any kind, uh, having to dress up. Is yeah. eyewash in his eyes. Yes, yeah. No See, like Don said about food, it's all presentation. To me, it's like if you're doing the job and you're wearing a polo, I mean, people care about the job you're doing and what you're doing rather than what you look like. I mean, you can still be a professional and not wear a coat and tie. And this is San Diego, dude. Shock yeah. bro. What about what, what about like those decorative pillows on, on the bench behind you? Isn't that eyewash then by your... Want me to yell somebody who's eyewash? <laughs> This isn't going to go well. Hey, Mary, you know those pillows on this bench right here? I wash. <laughs> Call it as I see him. Uh, well, unfortunately, you uh, can't sleep on my couch tonight because yeah. of the COVID. But I know. wash, not I wash. <laughs> Just have to say, though, you're right. When you talk to other people and you drop I wash, they don't know what you're talking about. And it's, it's you know, there's a lot of stuff, actually. There's a lot of stuff in our uh, vernacular that we break out there from time to time that people <laughs> so uh, don't seem to know what we're talking about. But uh, eyewash is a, a big one. Don's not kidding, by the way. When we are in a tunnel in a ballpark and uh, you see the eyewash station, it, it, the excitement level for the three of us, it's embarrassing. It's it a is. rush. It's, it, it's <laughs> unbelievable. There it is. It's awesome. <laughs> we're like, we're like little kids in a kindergarten room, and we, we you know, some some guy just walked in. He's going to make us balloon animals. We get so excited, and that's a good one because it's green, and it's and any any person of any size can use it. It's perfect. Mm. Any well, size, you know, you'd have trouble. Some there's some people out there who might need a step stool. I don't know. You get your whole head in there. I think that's the key. For good eyewash. <laughs> I don't know if my head could fit in there. <laughs> I, I want to know who's responsible for refilling. How do we know that's like two and a half years old, the liquid inside? Because well, it has the tag, just like a fire extinguisher does. Eyewash, which again, that could be neglected. It could be, it, it, that that thing could not be written on for a year and a half. We don't know. All right. There's the, the story from Lindsay Adler in The Athletic today. You can go find it. When I say she did a deep dive, I mean, that's putting it mildly. Like the story just goes on and on and on. Uh, and it made me so incredibly happy to read it. it it's a lot of fun. 
And it's just, I, I think another one of those looks like behind the curtain, like Don was saying, like we say a lot of things in the baseball bubble that become very, very normal that are not. And, mm -hmm. and, and that might be at the very top of the list because everybody in baseball all the time calls things eyewash. And it's great. Uh, former teammate of mine in Seattle, Brett Boone, uh, brother, obviously, of Aaron Boone. Their minds think alike. Very, very funny individuals. Brett, back in the day when we were in Seattle, he carried with him a list of overrated stuff, which would fall under eyewash. Um, you know, and the, ones that, the ones that stick out to me. Here, Brett Boone says eyewash slash overrated. Changing out the bases every third inning. Really? Eyewash. Um, <laughs> secondly, the other thing that luggage racks on cars <laughs> i wash really when's the last time you've seen a car with a luggage rack and luggage actually like strapped on the top of those things unbelievable it's a very fair point those yeah. are good examples of eyewash uh let's see i uh, flow says i would do one of those push-up challenges i was tagged in but i'm so sore from the 50 plus i do every morning guess not everyone has this lifestyle hashtag eyewash that's like a that's a humble humble brag but yeah i mean he he's into it I assume that's a baseball player by the picture and the fact that he's using eyewash. We, we should have done that. We could have searched the hashtag and found all the different things that come up. But I think working anyway. out is eyewash. What's that? I think working out is eyewash. You've proven that. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm happy. I'm healthy in my own skin. Sit-ups? Really? Shaving. Eyewash. Yeah. Being presentable. I wash. <laughs> no, I, I think you'd be presentable, but you don't have to wear a tuxedo or, you know, a coat and tie. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> I got nothing on that. Uh, yeah. We're moving on from I watch. Uh, I'd say uh, probably the question I've gotten most from fans uh, on social media the last I don't know, month and a half at this point now, aside from, hey, is there going to be a baseball season? And when will the baseball season start? Uh, involves uh, their tickets. Hey, I've got season tickets. Hey, I've got tickets to opening day. Hey, I had tickets to the game against the Cardinals last week, whatever it might be. And, and a lot of questions have been out there about what's going to happen. Can I get my money back? What's what's the deal? Finally, uh, we, we got some information this week. I know people were very excited about all of that. Padres uh, released their specific information, uh, I think yesterday or the day before. So earlier this afternoon, uh, the Padre president of business operations, Eric Krubner, was nice enough uh, to pop on with us here real quick, kind of give us a sense of uh, why it took a little bit of time to get this thing figured out from a Padre perspective and also what our options are moving forward. Eric, great to see you and thank you very much for the time. Obviously, this ticket policy has been a, a big topic of conversation among fans last couple of days and even for the last couple of weeks. If you could maybe just, just give us a sense of how we got to this moment and, uh, and why we maybe had to wait a little bit for the news that we got this week. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. It's great to see you. I don't get to see you very uh, much anymore. Um, so nice to see your smiling face and uh, hope to see you back here at the ballpark before too long. Uh, so really, uh, you know, the, the reason for the delay on the part of not only the Padres, but every other uh, Major League Baseball team was that, uh, you know, Major League Baseball sets the schedule for 2020. And they have looked at a lot of different contingencies and continue to look at a lot of different contingencies. Um, around how and when we can start playing. And uh, we finally reached a point where Major League Baseball was comfortable with the individual clubs setting their own exchange and refund policy and sharing that with uh, their fan base and ticket holders in particular. So we reached that point and, um, you know, we really felt it, two things were important to us. Uh, number one, um, we wanted to make sure that 
however we handled exchanges and refunds and credits that our ticket buyers and in particular our season ticket members know their importance and value to us because really without them, you know, we, we, we literally cannot do what we do as a professional baseball uh, team. And then secondly, we understand right now that unfortunately um, a lot of our ticket buyers, as many San Diegans, are either dealing with unemployment or just financial pressures right now. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, we went all the way out for now until the end of May and all the games that were originally scheduled to be played through May 31st so that fans could get a significant uh, amount of a refund if they need it financially now. And uh, for those fans that would prefer to receive some benefits that we're offering them to move that money forward instead of receiving a refund to other games in 2020 and 2021, we wanted to put uh, an offer in front of them that rewarded them for their continuing loyalty and support of the team. All right. So a lot of that information is available at Padres.com. I guess uh, the main message is you have options. If you want the refund, you get the refund. If you want to look into, as you said, kind of pushing your money forward uh, either to this season, if it happens or, or next year, that can be accomplished as well. Uh, kind of leads me to the unanswerable question that, that I'll ask anyway. Uh, where are we at on, on baseball 2020? We obviously hear all these different ideas that are being kicked about. You understand why baseball would be kicking ideas around. Uh, is there anything you know that we're hearing uh, aside from that stuff right now? Well, as I mentioned, Jesse, you know we get really daily updates out of the commissioner's office. Uh, Ron Fowler, our executive chairman, sits on the exec council, which is really the most senior council of uh, team owners that advise the commissioner on decisions. And then uh, I participate in some committees and Peter Seidler does as well. So really between the three of us, we're getting on a daily basis, uh, as many of our other senior executives are as well, information out of Major League Baseball. And really, uh, there is no certainty right now. I think anybody who picks up the newspaper um, can, can tell that, you know, we haven't yet figured out how or when. Uh, we're going to play baseball again in 2020, but I do know that Major League Baseball and the commissioner in particular is turning over every rock, looking at every angle, every possible contingency plan to uh, give us every opportunity to play baseball in 2020. I know our players, uh, I was just actually down in our clubhouse uh, briefly, and uh, there was a player uh, who was just uh, wrapping up in, in the clubhouse or something. I mean, everybody throughout the entire organization and I know all the great fans we have in San Diego would love nothing more than to play baseball again and as soon as possible. And we will get there again in San Diego, uh, timeline TBD. But I think what Major League Baseball has been particularly uh, good at is making sure that we don't rush any decisions that would put into jeopardy public health, the health of our players, the health of any of the team employees that are involved in games, um, and certainly not creating any issue for our fans or the community at large. And that's a non-negotiable. And uh, we have a commitment from Major League Baseball that we're not going to play again until we know that we're not going to be obviously putting anybody's health in jeopardy. And I feel confident that when we do play, hopefully this year, uh, it'll be in a way that it can help um, you know, provide a, a really great and fun distraction to a lot of the other things that are going on. Baseball has always had, as you know, the unique capacity at points in time in this country's history, points of crisis, to bring the country together and be uh, part of the healing process. And uh, I can't wait until we play again and we can we can be a part of normalcy, returning normalcy, and 
bringing some measure of healing um, to to our region, San Diego, and, and the country as a whole. I, I imagine there are a lot of people sitting there right now listening to you, watching this, and they can maybe close their eyes. They can envision a hot dog in one hand, a beer in the other. They're, they're at Petco Park looking out over the thing uh, or out onto the field. They We don't know when that is going to happen either. Even if there is baseball in 2020, there's no guarantee, obviously, that the gates will be open, uh, all that kind of thing. Do, do you get the sense that there will be lasting repercussions from what we're going through in terms of the ballpark experience, even when things do get back to normal or the new normal? Yeah, I think there's no doubt, Jesse. Uh, we, along with really every other business that brings together a critical mass of people, whether it's a live concert or a theater or any uh, spectator event where, where you pull together a lot of people in one place, we're going to need to make adjustments. Um, I can't tell you exactly uh, what all of those adjustments are going to look like right now, but we're already actively studying those, uh, as a lot of other uh, major professional sports leagues are. And, uh, you know, our hope is that we will have a transition period, hopefully as short as possible, where we'll have to do things differently than we've done them in the past. And uh, it's important that we do it differently for a period of time to make sure that we're um, cognizant of the public health concerns and doing everything we can to make sure that people feel as safe and as welcomed as possible to come back into Petco Park. So we have a great team here of people that do nothing but focus on those issues. And we're going to be ready when baseball's um, played again in San Diego, we're going to be ready to make sure that whatever number of people can eventually come back into our ballpark that we greet them with a really thoughtful approach as we always have to make sure that the ballpark experience is the very best in all of professional sports. That's our goal. And public health and safety is a, a key part of that. And, We'll, we'll get it figured out. Now, obviously, it makes a lot of sense. Can't wait. I know I speak for everybody when I say that. Uh, it'll be when it'll be, but hopefully sooner rather than later. Eric Rubner is the Padres president of business operations. Appreciate you kind of jumping on with us and uh, giving some uh, firsthand uh, information. I feel like we're passing on a lot of stuff these days, but to hear it from one of the uh, the, the people involved in the discussions is always a, a nice thing and a privilege. So thank you and uh, continue to, to stay healthy and as sane as possible. Great, Jesse. You too. And uh, thanks for everything you're doing, giving all our Padres fans a uh, bright moment Monday through Thursday. You're doing a great job. Uh, thank you. Uh, is Eric Grubner, the Padre president of business operations. A lot of good information there about everything going on as we bring uh, Don and Mud back in now. Uh, guys, again, you know, it's it's like we hear these things. We read these reports. We're trying to hold on to hope. We're trying to be optimistic. But as you heard from Eric right there, really uh, kind of impossible to make any predictions in terms of uh, when and what baseball will look like here in 2020. So we're, for the moment, not going to try and do any of that. Uh, you know what's not eyewash? We were talking a lot about eyewash earlier. Not eyewash, Tommy John surgery. A uh, very big part of baseball, a very uh, important part of baseball. Uh, it, it's it's funny because I guess, Mark, sometimes when we think about Tommy John, we think of it as a negative thing, obviously, because uh, a pitcher goes down and he's out for a year or a year and a half. But I guess the reality is it, it's an amazing thing uh, in that it, it means that even with a ligament injury as serious as, as a guy might have, his career is not over. So it's not a negative thing in the big picture. It's an incredible medical feat, uh, but nonetheless, a huge part of the game today. It's a great story. The whole Tommy John, Dr. Joe of Los Angeles Dodgers story and how he was hurt. And just paraphrasing the story, Dr. Job looked at his elbow and it's all out of whack and discovered the ligament. He goes, well, it looks like, you know, you're, you're done. And Tommy John, her story goes, says, no, you're the doctor. You have to come up with a solution and fix me. And 
Long story short, he went on to pitch another 12, 15 years, whatever the case may be. Um, and how the game has changed, because I remember back in, you know, back when guys were blowing out in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s, it was like if you were a college guy or a high school kid and you had Tommy John surgery, it was like, okay, good luck. You're going to go way down the draft. And the first guy that comes to mind is Cal Quantrill. Here's a guy yeah. who blows out in college. And he still the number one pick. It goes to show you the technology and the medicine and how advanced they are from back when it first started. And through more and more operations, you find out more. And it's, I've made the joke, you know, when a kid gets drafted, they should have hamate bone. They should have their spleen taken out. They should have their tonsils taken out. And they should have Tommy John surgery. All one fell swoop. Just have it all done so you're good to go. But, um, you know, I, I think nowadays guys are redlining. Uh, I know John Smoltz used that term before, and that's where I first heard it as far as the Tommy John surgeries this year to where they're still having them. I think arms are not really conditioned to go the long haul. Um, they're, they're putting the reins on guys. And uh, when you redline and your arm isn't conditioned quite that as, as well as it should be, I think it creates tension on that. And then hence Tommy John surgery. That's just my outlook on it. Yeah, I mean, Don, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it seems like there's more than there has been in the past and guys are throwing fewer innings than in the past. And there's more specialization in the bullpen than in the past. Uh, so it goes back to a lot of the pitching people I was around earlier in my career who didn't buy into any of this, you know, along the lines of what Nolan Ryan thought a few years ago, back when he was with the Rangers uh, as an executive who basically said, I want my starters to go as deeply as possible. Maybe, you know, he was thinking like 130 pitches. I mean, now in today's game, that would be, un, you know, wouldn't even consider that. Uh, but at the same time, his point of view was your arm will get stronger the more you throw and the healthier you will be, the less you throw, the fewer pitches thrown, uh, the more susceptible you are to something like this. So I don't know. I don't know how much of the philosophy of today's game and the way that pitchers are being used is not actually adding to the problem at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing. Now that you know we've kind of closed out the decade, uh, one of the reports went back and looked at it, and, and Don said it exactly right. Uh, Tommy John has been pretty steady over the last 10 years, but guys are throwing less. Uh, they're not throwing as many pitches, as you said, in outings. They're not throwing as many innings. And granted, there's a billion variables, so it's not necessarily as simple as that. But that goes to say, okay, if, it, if it's not the innings, if it's not uh, the, the total in-game number of pitches that's the issue, then what is? Because we're, we're not changing you know, the results here. And velocity is something, Mark, that kind of pops into my mind because yeah. there are so many guys now throwing as hard as they do. Oh, my gosh. How many, how many guys? It's one of two guys that come out of the bullpen. The guys who throw 100 with a breaking ball. That's tremendous torque on the elbow and the arm. Some guys last 12, 15 years. Some guys last a year or two. Or you're that left-handed specialist who throws slop up there or you have that you know you're that specialty pitcher where you come in and face well now it's gonna have to be three hitters but uh and, and then you last a long time whatever so my point is like you said jesse more and more guys are throwing harder these days i don't use a when's the last time you saw a regular guy come out of the bullpen and throws like 90 92 uh if they do they probably have that specialty pitch that split finger or the nasty changeup. but um everybody's throwing 100 these days and that's what everybody wants to see Guys are redlining, as I mentioned before, and that's tremendous torque. When the arm is not conditioned to do that uh, for a long, long period of time, I think it it takes its toll, and then you uh, get cut on. How much of it you guys think is just like it's an extraordinarily unnatural thing to ask somebody to do with their arm? Most unnatural, Donnie. 
Oh, no, absolutely. You, you did it. I mean, you know, you see the pictures. It always amazes me when they do the still shot of a guy who is pitching like halfway through his delivery and where his arm is. It's yeah. just not a natural motion in any way. And so you can see why, especially guys with, who have uh, quirky deliveries or delivery mm-hmm. that could lead to an injury. You often hear guys say, well, he throws across his body or he does something different with his delivery. That's going to be a, that's going to be a Tommy John waiting to happen. And it normally does. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. So you're right. You know, what's weird, too, guys, is that through the course of history of baseball, there are guys who have perfect mechanics and blow out. Then, like Don said, there are the guys that are the herky-jerky, and you think, yeah. oh, my gosh, I have to ice my arm after watching this guy pitch, and he pitches 15 years in the big leagues. Go figure. There's no answer, and I, I guess that's kind of the main point of the conversation is, like, everybody's still trying to figure it out a little bit. Uh, there's been so much advanced understanding of data in baseball. I tell you what, if somebody could figure this out, if it's mm-hmm. even figurable, and I don't know that it is, uh, you'd be sitting in a very good position in the world of baseball because uh, it, it's an incredible thing. Uh, I was just thinking geographically, kind of looking at our boxes here. I mean, we we have like all of the county covered. We really do. You know, Mud's out way east in Alpine. Uh, I'm up in San Marcos uh, and Don's down on the Strand. I believe we actually have a live look at Don's backyard. Hey, look at that. Hey, oh, there it is. <laughs> a little cloudy. You got hazy sunshine going on right now. That's Not his much- whole. That's his whole house right there in the front. <laughs> yeah. Not much traffic on the bridge right now either. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's pretty much right it right there. Not bad. Very lush and green. Photosynthesis doing its thing this time of year. Right. But, yeah, you're, you're nestled back there somewhere, right? I am. I'm just beyond that. Yeah, that's actually the Lowe's Resort right there. And then I'm past that uh, further into the caves. But, yeah, no, we love it. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a great area. Very nice. Not a cloudy uh, right. sky, right, Donnie? Uh, there's some clouds. Some haziness going on. Yeah. How is it in Alpine? Uh, this morning, it was quite pleasant. I took the dog for a walk. It was like 72 degrees. It was kind of overcast. You know, the white clouds overcast, not a lot of sun, kind of cool. And it was very, very nice. Glad to hear that. How Glad about up north? Uh, yeah, we had a little mid-gray this morning, April version. Uh, burned off about 11, I would say. Mm-hmm. A little rain there. We get, a, we get a touch. It was fun. Cool. How's butter? They want to know how butter is. Butter's doing well. Thank you, uh, Eileen Burns. Uh, he is doing great. I... Walk him in the morning for about an hour, and then I bring him in the backyard and toss the tennis ball into the pool, and he gets a workout there. So uh, he's doing very, very well. Thank you for uh, checking in on Butter. All right. I'm, I'm glad he's in, in fighting shape. Now, I mentioned it's a big uh, show in terms of guests today. Uh, Uncle Teddy coming up in a little bit, uh, but I had the nice opportunity to chat. Oh, Jeffrey, that's very nice. Oh, uh, nice. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. <laughs> Not only intelligent, but also probably good looking. <laughs> He could be any one of those three guys. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, CBS News, uh, Major Garrett, uh, a Claremont native and a huge Padre fan. We see him at the ballpark uh, occasionally. Obviously, lives in Washington now as the uh, chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, but uh, still has uh, one son who lives here in San Diego. He's been paying uh, very close attention to what's been going on in the world, of course, uh, despite not having his baseball fix, he was nice enough uh, to talk to us earlier this afternoon uh, about how life is going for him. Well, Major, it is great to see you. Uh, for us, obviously, this show has been a little bit of a relief of a distraction of a release. Talk some baseball. And uh, you look like you're ready for that kind of distraction in your Padre jersey. Indeed, I am. Uh, as some in the audience may Remember, on opening day, I had a series of Padre jerseys on, and I did a thing about how 
the stresses and anxiety of COVID-19 were perfectly situated or possibly perfectly situated for Padre fans because we're used to a little anxiety, we're used to, used to a little uncertainty, and we're used to long-term coping. And I hope that's proved to be true for everybody. Yeah, we're, we're hanging in best we can. <laughs> let's, uh, let's suspend reality for a few moments and just talk baseball. Yeah. Um, again, that's kind of what we've been trying to do on the show for the most part here. Uh, if, if we pretend that things were normal and it's a week or two before what would have been opening day, how excited were you for 2020? Very. I'm excited for every opening day. And one of the things about being a lifelong Padre fan is that you're excited about opening day even when possibly you shouldn't be. Um, and you develop that tendency. You develop that hunger for baseball generally and the Padres specifically. But baseball generally, always baseball generally. It's the greatest sport ever. It's our national pastime. And it heralds the beginning of not only the rebirth of spring and the passing of seasons and all of the poetic things attached to baseball, but I've always felt like a lot of people who love and are rapturous about baseball that it sort of begins the rebalancing of the universe. When baseball is played, everything gets to be in a little bit more balance. And that's the way I've always felt the way it's all I've looked at the calendar. I don't look at the calendar really in January to December. When do pitchers and catchers report? That's when I know balance is being reasserted in the universe. Yeah, I think uh, I can agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, as, as someone who lives in Washington most of the time now, obviously for work, you got that kind of front row seat to what the Nationals were able to accomplish last year, winning the first World Series in that franchise's history. Did, did that just get you even more excited for, for what could be here in San Diego? Sure. And uh, for those in the audience who might be aware, uh, as a bit of personal therapy, I write a column once a month for the Claremont Times, a very small, teeny little grocery store kind of newspaper, a handout. One reason I do that is because the publisher asked me to and nobody else asked me to write about baseball. So I thought, well, he's first in line. And there really isn't a line after that, so I'll do it. And Claremont's where I grew up. Claremont, Kearney Mason, my mother might remind me, uh, my sainted mother who died many years ago. Um, but that's my hometown. That's the town within my town, Claremont, Kearney Mesa. So I wrote about what it was like to go and what I learned attending three World Series games here in Washington. Uh, not as a huge, huge Nationals fan, but they are the team of my children. And when... Uh, the children had an interest in baseball, but there was no team in Washington. We occasionally went up to Baltimore to see the Orioles, but I raised them as Padre fans. And as soon as they got a hometown team, the Nationals, which in sort of a poetic bit of, bit of balancing were the Montreal Expos, the expansion team that entered the National League the very same year the Padres did, I said, you're released. You have no obligations to the Padres anymore. You're Nationals fans. And to see their joy and enthusiasm about a World Series was great for me just to understand that generationally I'd passed along, went to three games and World Series games are immense. They just are a completely different environment, a completely different form of electricity. Great fun to watch, even though the home team not only didn't win a single one of those games, never led, never had a single lead in any of those games, but nevertheless became the World Series champion uh, against great odds. And to see that experience and feel it through my children was really a thrill. And I've often said um, that the greatest weekend of my natural life uh, was the weekend in which the Padres defeated the Cubs in the National League Championship Series of 1984. I saw all three games in San Diego. And I look forward to the day when Petco is filled to the brim, screaming loud, and every team that comes in there wishes they were someplace else. 
Speaking of Petco, how, how many games a year are you able to get to these days? I feel like I, I see you here and there uh, and I guess everywhere at times, but but about how many are you able to take in in a normal year? So on a, on a great year, two or three. I okay. just don't get back to San Diego as often as I would like. Trust me, when the terminus of my career arrives, and it will eventually, I'm coming back home. So that will be a much more frequent thing once I'm done, once my professional uh, accomplishments or veil of tears, depending on the day, uh, is over, um, I'll be back home. Very nice. Uh, first podcast you started at CBS News, uh, The Takeout, uh, which very prescient, by the way. I mean, who, who would have known at the time? <laughs> It's a good thing you didn't call it the like sit down in the dining room podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Very quick story about that. Why did we do that? Because we thought of the idea for the show, a couple of my producers and I at a Chinese restaurant very near the CBS Bureau in Washington, D.C. And we thought a Chinese restaurant is synonymous with takeout and let's and we're doing sort of a takeout of what's going on in Washington. So we thought the thing things merged together. Little did I know we'd be living in a world where takeout is the only restaurant touring we're allowed to do, and it fits perfectly. And for this conversation, I just want to let everyone know, if you love baseball, tomorrow, meaning Friday, uh, the episode will be an interview I just conducted about two hours ago with someone you might have heard of, Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, very nice. Uh, went into Cooperstown with Tony Gwynn, of course. We uh, talked about that. I was there and we, we we had a very well, it wasn't emotional for him. But when he started talking to me about what it was to be with Tony in Cooperstown, I got pretty choked up. Oh, very nice. We'll look forward to that tomorrow, certainly um, w- without getting bogged down too much in it, because I, I know people probably don't want to hear about it you know, from me too much at the moment. But what is it like just covering what's going on right now from the epicenter, not the viral epicenter, but the political epicenter? It's it's very strange. It's. At the one hand, enormously consequential and monumental, and yet I'm doing it entirely from my home. I haven't been to the White House in three and a half weeks. We have other White House correspondents who are there. Uh, I'm the chief Washington correspondent, so I'm a little bit distant. I'm not the day-to-day White House correspondent as I was for the better part of seven years at CBS News and for many other years with other networks, Fox and CNN. So that part of my rhythm is completely absent. But I've also created a second podcast, which is also a radio show played in San Diego on KFMB. I'm happy to say called Debriefing the Briefing. It's exactly what it is. It's debriefing every briefing of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. This week we haven't had any, but there's been plenty of news. And we have a show every single day, Monday through Friday. So I am wading through every bit of information, whether it's economic, scientific, health, adaptation, White House, political. But I'm doing it all from my home. I'm not circulating in Washington at all. So I am swimming in this story. And some days it feels 12 and 15 feet deep. And I'm just trying to get to the surface and understand everything that's gone on, distill it and summarize it at the end of every day. And yet I do that without moving an inch. It's a very different level of adaptation. But the journalism requires it. And like everyone, we're just adapting to new realities and doing the best we can. You mentioned your remarkable resume is just kind of a, a news and journalism geek and obviously somebody who does something akin to that, at least aside from what's going on right now in the current situation. Again, let's go back in time, three or four months. How much has the way you cover things changed over the course of your professional career? Oh, so much. I mean, just to give people a sense. So I was born in Sharp Hospital, 1962, graduated from Madison High School, 1980, graduated from the University of Missouri, May of 1984. 
So when I entered the news business in 1984, the television networks, the three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC were absolutely dominant. They were the dominant voice in American broadcast journalism. CNN was just coming on, but it was a kind of twinkle in the eye of Ted Turner, the idea of 24-hour dominant cable news in America being not only a global source of news, but a significant alternative source of news was untested, unknown, and non-established. And significant newspapers were also the voice of the country, Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, Miami Herald, Chicago Tribune, and the like. And then news magazines were enormously important. If you wanted to get a sense of what the week was, you read Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News and World Report. Well, all those things I've mentioned are by penetration, market size, and in some quarters, credibility, markedly smaller than they were. Social media is the newest thing that has transformed the conversation and the pace of the conversation. But even before that, there were several other cable stations that challenged CNN. I worked for one of them, two of them, actually. I worked for CNN for two and a half years, and I worked for Fox for eight years. I've been in that milieu, all that. So we had a 24-hour news cycle, which was kind of a conversation topic for at least a decade. Now we have a basically a 24-second news cycle, which is anything that spins at the pace of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any of the other social media spheres. And people can introduce themselves, can declare on a subject, can make themselves relevant. And all the hierarchies of relevancy that I came to know through the 80s and 90s, meaning you had to climb this hierarchy to be relevant, to be heard, they've all been flattened. There are some distinct advantages to that because voices penetrate now much more rapidly than they used to, but there are some disadvantages of that. There are people who talk to me all the time about where do I go, who do I believe, who do I trust? Well, back in the 80s, that was pretty easy because you had very few choices. Now with the preponderance of choices, it's a much more confused environment. I don't have a set answer. My only bit of advice is if every day all the news you consume makes you feel better and more reaffirmed, no, you're not doing it right. Yeah, uh, that's very well said. I refer to it, by the way, not even as a news cycle anymore, a news conveyor belt. It just doesn't stop. <laughs> it looks at the chocolate factory. Right, exactly. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, really appreciate it. Uh, great to see you. Thanks for indulging us in some news talk. Uh, always great to hear you uh, cheer on the Padres and uh, continued success with, with the podcast. People can find uh, links and, and all that good stuff right. at Major CBS on Twitter, probably the easiest hub uh, to find it all. Hopefully see you at a ballpark uh, or a yes. ball game at some point in the relatively near future. And, and thanks again. Best to your family. Sure. And I'll just say this. Uh, I've lived in Washington since 1990, but I've always been and will forever be a Californian and not a Californian. And specifically, I'm a San Diegan. Specifically, it's my home. It's where I love. It's a place I love more than any place else. San Diego's done really well through this. Keep it up. Be well. Hope to see you soon. Major Garrett of CBS News and a big thank you for taking a few minutes for us uh, from his home in Washington recently. Very happy to bring Don and Mud back now. Uh, it's always neat, you know, when, when the two worlds can kind of collide and, and him being at the middle of the news world, obviously, is the chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, but also a big Padre fan and, and not shy about it. Don, uh, Mud, both. We've had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit uh, the last couple of years. Neat guy, Mr. Orsillo, he really is. He really is, you know, and he is a true fan. You know, you see a lot of different people uh, in Washington who bring their teams from where they were from, and uh, they wear their uniforms, their hats on occasion. Uh, he is through and through a fan. We can tell you that for sure. We see him across Major League Baseball. I would see him on the road more than we see him at home. As he mentioned, he only gets out here maybe two or three games a year, uh, but always see him when we go to Washington yearly. 
Saw him last year in Washington. Uh, he stopped by the hotel, and it just amazes me the career that he has had. And I asked him the question. I said, how do you deal with different presidencies through the course of your career, being the White House correspondent? And he, he said something really, really interesting to me, because a guy in his position, I mean, the true journalist like he is, he told me there's no favoritism, there's no loyalties. He, he's just he's reporting the news as he sees it. What's going on in the world? Like like you said, Jesse, like a conveyor belt. It changes with a heartbeat. But, you know, the good journalists, they don't pick sides. He just is down the middle. And that's, you know, I, I asked him about President Trump. I asked him about President Clinton. I asked him about President Obama. And he said, you know what? It's not my choice to try to get close to these guys because I have to be down the middle. And there's no favoritism. There's no loyalties here. I've got to do my job. That's the best way to do my job. And I thought that was really quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly the name of the game. I'm impressed, by the way. You were able to name three presidents. That was good. Nice yeah, give me about an hour and a half. I can probably name two or three more. <laughs> uh, just having some fun. Uh, this Grant. Grant, yes. yes. <laughs> Very good. Oh, boy. We'll get a gold star tonight, sir. Yeah. Uh, what Maybe the best thing I saw on Twitter today, and, and I think you guys certainly will appreciate this and everybody watching, uh, a, a guy tweeted about his father uh, when he was growing up uh, in the 80s, I guess, uh, just couldn't get with the Cubs, right? Cubs hadn't won in forever. Uh, he'd been a Cubs fan his entire life. So the dad started writing to teams saying, hey, I will sign a contract as a free agent fan. And he tweeted some of the replies that the dad got back, including you know this one from the Mariners. And you can go on Twitter and, and, and read them a little bit more closely. This is February of 1981. Uh, later on that same month, a letter from the VP of Player Development for the Montreal Expos uh, and another I think that we have that came in from the Brewers. So just like, first of all, the, the concept is very, very funny to me. Uh, but Mud, certainly you understand the frustration of Cub fans of that era. Oh, the lovable losers until they won the World Series. But then again, you know, it's like I thought they had a dynasty going. They should have won a lot more. Uh, it just wasn't the case. Joe Madden came to that town and uh, turned things upside down. And, you know, he said, you know, their job, like any manager is going to say, is to win a world championship. It came to fruition. And uh, yeah, it's coming from my standpoint, growing up a Cub fan, uh, and this is kind of like what we're going through right now. We just want to see baseball. As a kid growing up, I just wanted to come home. I didn't care if the Cubs had a 15-game losing streak. I just wanted to see baseball. I wanted to turn on WGN and watch the ball game. Any chance I can get to go up to Wrigley Field, I don't care if they were, you know, back then over in the two divisions, if they were in eighth place. Uh, I wanted to go up and watch baseball. So, yeah. It's uh, as a fan to do that. I think that's pretty cool. Hey, some big names here. Jim Fanning actually managed the Expos at one time, like around 1980, 1981. And Harry Dalton, of course, a huge baseball guy. And Randy Adamack. We, Randy Adamack. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, Director of communications and uh, broadcasting, I think, right now for the Mariners. So he's been there a long, long time. Still is. And, it's great that yeah. he got responses, though, from yeah. guys uh, trying to fight for their family. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the great the great capper, I guess. Uh, the rest of the story is that the dad ended up uh, being dissuaded from signing as a, a free agent fan elsewhere. He stuck with the Cubs, ended up working at Wrigley, and there you go. That's the payoff. That's what every Padre fan is imagining and thinking about right now. The years of losing, the years of not getting to the top of the mountain. But boy, when you do. Don, you saw it in 04 in Boston. There's nothing like that, is there? No, they waited 86 years and, you know, generations of my family came and went without a, a Red Sox World Championship. So when it happened, you realize how special it was. I mean, there were people, uh, great Red Sox fans who had passed away years before that I, I was close with that never saw it in their lifetime. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they didn't get to see it in 04, but so many did. And then, uh, you know, 
two more after that very quickly came pretty for the Red Sox as well. But uh, there were many, many years, you know, the, the difference is, I think, with the Cubs anyway, the Cubs were just losing for the most part. They weren't crushing losses. They weren't, you know, uh, ahead in World Series and then all of a sudden uh, have it pulled out from underneath them like they had uh, as far back as 46 uh, when they had it happen, 86 against the Mets. Uh, there were so many times they were so close and just couldn't get there. Uh, it was it was pretty tough to go through, I think, for a lot of those fans. But they were extremely loyal. Uh, they were not looking for uh, a free agent team to uh, take on. They, they, they stuck with them through those years. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, it was a difference because, like you said, the Red Sox had their hearts broken, uh, whether it was Aaron Boone's homer working backwards, Buckner, Bucky Dent. You know, the Cubs, am I right, Mud off the top of my head? Like, they hadn't even gone to the World Series since 1945. They weren't lovable. They were just losers. Yeah. Well, it's a different, <laughs> different mindset, too, right, Donnie? Being on the East Coast and in the Midwest. Yeah, different mindset. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all about the party at Wrigley. I mean, that was all, it's like a festival. It's not. Yeah, you know, there's a party at Wrigley. It just happens to be a baseball game going on. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Elian knows all about that. Oh, uh, one of the best rants ever in, in sports history. Yes. Not family friendly. Can't play it on this show, but you check it out on YouTube uh, if you want to. Fun article on MLB.com this week about uh, the best trash talker on each team. Uh, Mud, this, this made me think of you a little bit. Uh, any great trash talking stories? From your time down there, Don. We know announcers. We we trash talk with the best of them, but when it's down on the field, I think it's a little better. Jeffrey Leonard comes to mind. Jeffrey Leonard and I were teammates with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, because I was trying to go down each team that I played with. Uh, Tempe can talk some trash to his teammates. Tempe, I love the guy dearly. He was our captain, shortstop, great player, great teammate, one of the best. But he would be so subtle. Tempe really wasn't loud. He, if he wanted to be loud, he could be loud and get on you across the clubhouse, and. He did it because he wanted you to get better. He wanted to light a fire on you. But Jeffrey Leonard was one guy with the Giants who could trash talk, not only with the other team, but also with teammate as well. And he was very honest. Real quick story. Spring training was getting down to the last cuts. I was still on the roster trying to break the rotation. And we're in left field and uh, during BP. And I said, gosh, there's like five or six of us hanging out. And they said, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to make this team or not. I'm really nervous. And Jeffrey Leonard goes, okay, Mark Grant, let's check the situation. We got this guy. We got this guy. We got that guy. This guy, he names five star. He goes, I don't see your name on it. See ya. Wouldn't want to see ya. And I was like, oh, gee, thanks. You want to just send me to Phoenix now? Thanks. I appreciate it. I better that than being lied to, no? I know, but I mean, usually teammates are like, hey, hang in there, man. Next time you get the ball, do a great job. Have them make the decision. Force the decision on them. Oh, you'll do great. Not hack, man. See ya. Wouldn't want to see ya. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see you making it either. <laughs> Not a thing. No. Look at over the years. I, I, I have to say that, you know, Kevin Millar uh, with the Red Sox was one of the best. But he was funny, though, you know, and I think most of the time guys laughed, you know, when they heard from him because even when he was talking smack, you know, because he was always talking. That was, you know, he talked constantly, but I think a lot of guys, you'd look at him and they're kind of, you'd see a little bit of a smirk come out, a little bit of a smile because he was funny when he did it. So uh, he was the biggest around and, the, and someone who I, I work with today uh, was not as well liked for his smack over the years was AJ Pruszynski, uh, who I heard from a lot of different hitters. He did a lot of talking about whether they were going to get hit in the neck or not, or, you know. <laughs> I mean, like it was constant. I mean, and you, and you know, I mean, you look at these polls they have of yeah. players who are not well liked and now walking into clubhouses with him before games mm -hmm. and seeing guys look over, you know, who didn't even play in his era, who don't like it. 
you know, so I, I think, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been around some guys, who, but he, I think there's a hall of fame of smack and he's probably yeah. in that one. Hey, I remember when Bruce Hurst came over to the Padres, we were teammates in the late eighties and he told me Eckersley's story and, and Don, you know where I'm going here. I think Jesse, I told you this because I've worked retail before anyway. Yeah, um, Eckersley would strike out at Bruce Hurst told me he would strike out a guy and he'd look at him. He'd go, you out of here. Point to the guy on deck. You next. <laughs> when he was on the mound, I'm like, oh my gosh, you better be good if you're going to do that. That is Hall absolutely true. And he was a Hall of Famer. But I will say this: he said that he did that out of fear. He was constantly really? terrified and tried to put his fear onto the guy that he was facing. I don't I know whether to believe it or not, but it was big time smack. Yeah. When when does the most trash talking take place? Do you think is it pregame? You know, like is stretching BP. The teams are crossing over, or is it like on the field during the game? You think? I think stretching is is a good call. Everybody's uh, in the clubhouse too. You know, guys get there so early. I mean, we know this from going to the ballpark early. Uh, you go to the clubhouse and guys are hanging around, and you might hear a guy yell at a guy across the way. And I think in the clubhouse and stretching before because batting practice is a big one too. When pitchers hit. You know, you get on the guy's swing and whatever, you know, the, all the jokes start coming out, all the trash talking. So then once closer to game time, everybody gets ready to do what they do best and uh, hit the field and, and try to win a ball game. If we do have games without fans this year, Don, I mean, it's so interesting because people are going to have to be cognizant of that. You know, reading about that Oriole White Sox game again yesterday from five years ago with no fans you know, it was kind of a reminder that like, you know, because of microphones and, and not even that, just being able to hear from one dugout to the other. If we are in a situation this year, where we're playing in empty ballparks. Like players are going to have to be very aware of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And the smack could be coming from us and they could probably hear us in some of those. Oh, yeah. stadiums. <laughs> we have to be a little cognizant of what we're saying. So you know, we don't want to be part of the smack. Uh, the, one of the articles yesterday about that game was, you know, Gary Thorne, uh, the TV announcer for the Orioles, who's one of the louder guys, just tremendous pipes. Uh, and, and guys from both teams, Jerry Lane, who was a plate umpire that day, they all said they could hear every single thing he was saying the entire afternoon. And at times it was like bugging him out. You know, he'd be like curveball on the way and the ball wasn't even to the catcher yet. You know? <laughs> I would love to be on the air in a situation like that and kind of say, my gosh, you guys got a tight zone down there. <laughs> the other, getting on the umpire. How, how do you miss that call? What down the field? get tossed, which you'd love to do. I know you'd love to get tossed. Oh, you know, turns around, points up and goes, yeah, yeah, and on the checks, <laughs> me would be great if, if if they say no, he didn't go. Oh, they always go. The umpire's looking up. <laughs> would have been a double. <laughs> Out of here. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I can, I can just see Joe West now turning around, looking up what? to you, shaking his head. Yeah, gotta go. I watch. I watch. <laughs> Um, one of the other great highlights we played on the show yesterday from that game was that Adam Jones double uh, in which uh, Gary Thorne called the entire at bat as if it were a golf uh, the, the tournament, I guess. Don, can you give us, do you have a, do you have a golf voice, Don? I, I don't. I, I think it'd probably be really quiet though. Very quiet on, on four. I, I think it'd be very quiet. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, you talk at a hushed tone. You have to be very serious. Right. Money. You have to be serious. I think. That's quiet. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Uh, someone not quiet, but very serious about his work is uh, Uncle Ted Leitner. Uh, he's got the new pipes too. Why like, is there no video? I want a video. I want to see Teddy. What's going you'll on? Hear, you'll hear why there's no video. He'll tell you why. So we've, we've, this is now the third time we had Ted on, but the first time it's actually making it to broadcast, <laughs> uh, which is good. We had technical issues on our side. He'll have some fun with that in a moment. But I was finally 
finally able to catch up with Teddy and get it on the air uh, this afternoon. But as Don is mentioning, yes, it's a telephone interview. We will have his picture up there. And now I want people to know the picture that will be up there is his official Padre headshot. Okay, so this is the one that's on the media credentials and in the media guides. 1978? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but just, I mean, that's a little inside baseball for you. So finally today, uh, to catch up with the uncle, the legendary Ted Lightman. All right, Teddy, we, we tried this before. We had a technical issue on, on our side. Very, very <laughs> glad to have you with us and to be able to hear your voice. How is Ted Leitner? He's fine. He's alive and in good spirits and in decent voice. And I miss you and I miss all of it. And I'm actually, actually, Jesse's saying it was a matter of technical difficulties. My hair is so long that the clause of my contract says I don't have to go on the air publicly and be seen when my hair looks like this. A white grizzly Adam, white hair grizzly Adam. And so I thought I would do it on the phone because I hate long hair. I've never had long hair ever. I was a crew cut guy and a you know, flat top guy. In, in my high school days and on and before that, and it's driving me crazy, but I know it's a very small, very small price to pay. So I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I know like everybody else, I just desperately miss baseball and total freedom, but I know there's a big reason we don't have total freedom. It's a good reason. Yeah. Trying to stay as healthy as we can. Is, is this then the longest your hair has ever been in your life? You think? Absolutely. Without question, without question. And, uh, but I'll try to compensate by shaving a lot. <laughs> so it'll be a combination of the because I look terrible, you know the, the Bruce Bochy white white beard that's not good not a good look and uh, so I shave that but the hair is really long and I totally understand that I can't get it cut I wouldn't ask the person that cuts it to do it no way but uh, so I stay in my house and that doesn't matter at all. Yeah, very very well said. Uh, what did you think of spring training? You know, when we were there, we were just sort of getting into it. Uh, you know, once uh, once it was shut down, uh, I know we have a great time. We enjoy it. But from a baseball perspective, mm. early takeaways. What I thought, what gave me the most oomph, as it were, is and not so much position players, and I'm not looking at hitting at stage anymore than anybody else's, but I thought Paddock, you know, and, and those guys, all of those guys uh, just looked so far advanced for what normally you would see from anybody, let alone a second-year guy, I just thought the starting pitching was so terrific early on. And I understand a lot of those guys, are they're, they're facing guys in A-ball, double-A, triple-A, that are not going to make a squad. But I, even, even against the good guys, their stuff was a joke. And we commented at the time that these guys are like mid-season stuff. And, and these guys did not play winter ball for the most part. But I just thought that everybody we saw, uh, the starters especially, and, and a lot of the relievers, and we know what the bullpen can be. It can be the best, and think about this statement, the best Padre bullpen ever. Now, when you think about the guys they have, and I won't list them all, but Padre fan knows them, even with mediocre and bad teams, good, rock-solid bullpens. This could be the best. I think it will certainly be sometime the best in baseball. So when I'm thinking about that and looking at these starters, and, and uh, my gosh, even the guys they picked up, have been so good or were so good. That's what excites me the most. And I understand hitting is hitting, but I'm not concerned about that. You have Machados and Tatises, and hopefully Eric will have a solid year. The starting pitching was so beyond what I thought without even picking up another guy, as they talked about during spring training. I was a happy, happy spring training camper. 
Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. And, and that sounds very much like a conversation you and I would have had between innings or something like mm-hmm. that on one of those broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Last year, of course, was your 40th season broadcasting Padre baseball, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal, phenomenal milestone and accomplishment. A legendary figure. I, I know you hate when I say things like that, but, uh, but you are. Uh, you got to see Fernando during your 40th season. What can you compare that to from the previous 39? Anything? Fernando? Gosh. I even said it last year that I thought the guy who came up and caused the most excitement immediately and lived up to that excitement was Robbie Alomar. Now, the truth of the matter is, Fernando is a better athlete. He has more range at short than Robbie had at second, and Robbie had Polenti. Polenti, he has a stronger arm at short than Robbie had at second, or Robbie probably would have been switched to shortstop. So in terms of everything that they do, except that Robbie was a switch hitter, and I do believe what we've seen, that uh, El Nino has more power. So of all the country, all the young guys, I'm going to Chase Headley and all of them, Tony Gwynn. Tony was a name and a, and a marvelous hitter, but he wasn't the total package then. He could steal bases, but he wasn't a good right fielder, didn't have an arm when he first came up. So the excitement level of, of Fernando is the greatest single concept we've seen of that in Padre history. Now, as we discussed last year, he didn't just match that as Tony did or that Robbie did. How with all this pressure and all social media and all the expectations that you go out there when you're healthy and go way beyond the hype and the expectations. I don't know of any player that has done that. I mean, Vladdy's son did not do that with all that hype as the number one guy over Tatis at, at, at various times in the last couple of years before they both made the majors. And he got much more hype, I think, than Tatis nationally and didn't play anywhere near what we saw with Fernando. I've never anticipated a season from an individual standpoint of seeing Fernando for a full year of any Padre player, including Tony Gwynn. Uh, that's obviously very high praise for the young guy. Uh, opening day last year, I feel like you and I kind of got a sense of, of just how special it was all going to be, not just from an on-the-field and a talent perspective, but the way that the fans were rallying behind the guy from moment one. That's unbelievable. It's amazing. And again, they have expectations. And, and if you don't do well, you have even, you know, I mean, obviously Smith had an over 30 and, 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 and Chase Headley had one for 30s and, and so forth. So everybody who's been called up with that kind of hype will go through that sort of spell. This guy offensively did not. I think sometimes we, we discussed that he was not focused quite enough or concentrating quite enough on, on defense, whether that's taking his offense out to the, the, the position, I don't know. But he needed to make better throws. And, and, and so and with his talent, he will do that with the proper coaching. And he has the proper coaching. So, no, I, I just thought the fans, it was instant love affair. I, I thought the instant love affair, he'd hit 220 and, and didn't do half the things he did. What we saw on opening day for Manny and him, I've never seen for any Padre player ever as a first-year guy, a returning guy who had a good first year, that sort of thing. No, these, these, this is a unique situation in Padre baseball. And I had a conversation with a front office executive two days ago, and I said, I, I know people are dying, and I'm not whining. This is only baseball. It's only a game. I've always said that. But I said, to have this happen to our franchise with all the losing and all the struggling and, and Tommy John after Tommy John after injury after Tommy John, to suddenly have this expectation on a city that lost its NFL team to have the Padres able, able to fulfill a tremendous need, not just for sport, but for feeling good. My team, my team beats their team. My team's really good. 
and they're going to get better. Look at all that talent in the minor leagues. To have this happen to our city, and you read the tweets like I do, Jess, the people are just hurting so much without baseball in general and the Padres in particular, and I feel for them, as they know, though, that we can't whine about baseball when people are struggling for breath at the ICU. But I, I know this city has taken that loss of baseball tremendously hard. And, and kind of hand in hand with that, of course, the Aztec basketball team, one of the, the greatest years they've ever had and no opportunity to compete in that tournament. Uh, you know, in hearing from everybody we've heard from that program, uh, I mean, they, they could not have handled this any better. But as a kid, I'm thinking, man, if I'm on that team or I'm a fan of that team or a student, that's just so crushing. But they don't seem to be down by it. It's remarkable. They have been. And that's them. That's very much them. We talked about them. Old school, old, old, the soul kind of guys that are in it to win and in it to be brothers with their with their teammates. Like, I don't care what I scored. I'm going to get him the ball, man. He's hot. I don't care. Who scored the most points? I don't know. I don't know. That's the typical transition or transaction, rather. Those guys come on my postgame show, and I hand them a copy of a, a final box score, and they put it down. <laughs> they don't even look at it. They don't care what they scored. And that's been going on in Aztec basketball for many, many years. It no. has been a tremendous shock, a tremendous shock that I, I will never see that particular team, that particular group together again. That's another double whammy shock for San Diego. It's just, I know it's not fair, but you know, we could be New York City and that's not fair either what they're going through from a virus standpoint. But from a personal standpoint, that's what we tweet all the time, myself and other, other people in the Aztec administration it just was somebody pulled the plug all of a sudden what 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 wait a minute wait a minute the seating the seating is coming out no no it's not and it's been very very difficult uh well ted i'm sure you see it on social media as the rest of us do people have been uh, clamoring to hear your voice uh and to be connected to you and therefore to the padres and the aztecs uh for some time now it's been Way too long uh, since we've heard your voice. This is unusual. You're, you're pretty much 11 and a half months out of the year uh, in our ears, if, if not a full 12 each and every year. Uh, they've missed it. I've missed it. And, and uh, I'm glad you're, you're hanging in there and, and very glad you took a couple of minutes. Sure. I appreciate that. And as, as you know, reading those tweets, many, many, many of them are saying, we miss you and Jesse. We miss you and Jesse. This is horrible. This is terrible. When are you going to come back? We don't know. But when the Major League Baseball tells Ron and Peter – crank it up that Jesse and I will in fact be there and be ready to go. I mean, rare to go like maybe like maybe no, no other time, maybe in my lifetime that this would be like a playoff world series type situation of gosh, Jess, we're here, wherever it is, we're back baseball. Talk about thankful and thank you, God and appreciation that day will someday come. Uh, Uncle Teddy, boy, that was cathartic for me, I got to tell you. And I, I know a lot of folks uh, listening to the show right now, just hearing his voice, uh, it supplies something. Uh, missing the radio broadcast, missing the TV broadcast, of course, with, with you two guys as well. I, I can't stop smiling whenever I hear Teddy. That's all I got to say. Like, it's he's the best. I miss Teddy. Boy, that was great to hear him, though. <laughs> we have. He's free entertainment, isn't he? I mean, of course. It's his job. Yeah. And, and I, I know Don will uh, second this, but. Going over to the radio booth before the game from the TV booth just to chat with you guys every day. Hey, hey, just bring up a subject to Ted, and he'll just uh, <laughs> uh, catch. <laughs> yes, one catch. 
these are the things I miss. You know, I mean, like, that's what it is. It's like, you know, obviously the games, we love the games that we do the games, but like, we are so in that baseball world every day for seven months and seeing each other, the little characters that are involved in our lives. You know, we're all clowns, right? And like, we have other clown friends and like, some are bigger than others. (laughs) (laughs) They took your boxes away. But, you know, I mean, it's Dave Marcus, it's Jason Lewis, it's Zach Jensen. It's like the, the people who we work with who maybe the fans aren't as familiar with as coaches and members of the training staff. Like I just, you know, it's it's such a fun thing for us to be around those people and they become something of family during the baseball season. And it's it's a bummer to miss. I know the fans feel the same way, you know, like when, when you get to hear Teddy's voice now, it's uh, long overdue. Mm. Well, what we do in this profession, actually, you spend more time with this group than you do with your family. I mean, it just works out that way. I mean, by the time you go to the ballpark, by the time the game's done, uh, all the travel afterwards on the road, off days on the road, I mean, it's just the way it is. And it's just, it, it, it's like a family. It really is. So uh, for all of us to be a part is pretty difficult, but it, it was great to hear Teddy tonight. Yeah, very nicely said. Uh, another casualty, if you will, of the uh, current health situation in this country, the Little League World Series. Uh, they officially and formally announced today there would be no tournament uh, this year, not just the, the finals, obviously, in Williamsport, but all the regional tournaments. Uh, like the Hall of Fame announcement yesterday, there, there's no surprise that goes along with this, but a bummer. You know, I mean, I, I, I obviously feel terribly for so many different people in so many different scenarios uh, with things going on right now. But I've thought a lot about the high school seniors. You know, it's supposed to be one of the most exciting times of one of the most exciting years of your life. And to kind of be missing out on a lot of the stuff that goes with that is kind of a similar feeling for me. You know, that Little League World Series is such a a special event. Obviously, there's a window in which you have the opportunity uh, to participate in that, either in one of the regionals uh, or in Williamsport. But there will be no Little League World Series uh, this year. I've never had the opportunity to go to Williamsport. Uh, but uh, I mean, it seems like everybody who has ever spent any time there, Donnie, like they just talk about it in the most glowing of terms. No, it's special. And it's special for those guys who go on to play in the major leagues. I mean, you hear from so many of those guys, they talk about their little league experience and what the little league world series meant to them. And here they are guys who are now in the world series, you know, years later, uh, the real world series and, and, uh, being in major league baseball. So, I mean, it's just, it's an experience that you will never get back. And you're right. The age limit, we're another year later, so now not going to be eligible for next year. So it's definitely it's among those things. And there have been so many over the last, uh, what, 90 days, really, uh, that have been canceled along the way. I mean, starting with the NCAA tournament for those guys. You mentioned it with Teddy, with the Aztecs. I mean, how far are they going to go? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, things are going really well. Uh, and that team will never be together again. But there's been like little disappointments every day. I mean, you mentioned yesterday, the Hall of Fame. That's not going to be this season now or, or later or maybe next year. So it's it's crazy. I mean, it's just, I mean, we're all having to go through it, um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Mud, were you, were you I, the- I, I was, just, I'm sorry, Jesse, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just talking, uh, thinking about putting, you know, and you, we all played amateur sports, um, and I could just put myself in those kids like Little League World Series. My gosh, if a Little League game got rained out, I cried. I literally cried. I remember as a kid, my dad had tickets to a White Sox game, and we had to listen to the radio because it was pouring. And whether they were going to have the game at Comiskey Park or not, and we found out that the game got rained out, it's going to be a later date. And I, I remember having the tickets in my mom and dad's living room and crying. I mean, so I, I know what these kids are. We know what these kids are going through, and it's just it's a bad, bad timing, man. And that yeah. meant the world to me. The little league days and times were some of the greatest of my life, and uh, I got to experience it. And I feel sorry for these kids and the seniors 
like as a senior in high school. That was a big year, big year for a lot of seniors. So, um, hey, hang in there. We're all going through it, as Donnie said. Yeah, fair enough. Were you that kid? This is what I was going to ask, Mud. Were you that kid in Little League that, like, all the other parents thought you were 22 years old? No, actually, I looked young for my age. I was, I didn't, I didn't stick out as far as like the tallest guy on the team or the, you know, the, the burliest guy on the team. I, I didn't, you know, we've all seen the kids who are 12 and they, they, they've, they've maxed out. We, yeah, we they are weird like you do now. Yeah. yeah, I was not that kid. Um, okay. I didn't hit my growth spurt till like maybe high school, uh, late, late in high school. Interesting. All right. You just, I was, it's interesting with the, the guys that go on to be major leaguers, you know, it's like yeah. usually pretty dominant uh, at that level. All right. You're definitely maxed out now, though. <laughs> like the universe always expanding uh here's a fun one. <laughs> oh my goodness i'm sorry about it yeah. Uh, yeah. what are we looking at here yep never Forearm. done a steroid never tried steroids <laughs> <laughs> just that one time just the one time you know when they tested just just the once uh, never again no oh, i wouldn't touch the stuff how about this video? MLB uh, tweeted this yesterday. You're talking about kids and baseball. This kid is unbelievable. I don't know. I'm going to say six or seven years old, eight. Oh. Um, and he is absolutely on fire. Um, so he's got the cone operation here. Oh with a gosh, no, mask. no mask and a dog was sitting there. Oh, my gosh. That's pinpoint control. That's awesome. It's just coming right at the camera. Look out. Wow. So I guess my, my question would be, Don, if I got you a cone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no chance. You, no chance. You wouldn't let, let no, Mud have a rip? No, no I, I, I was and I was worried about this when uh, I found out I was going to fantasy camp this year. I was worried that I was going to have to face him with a helmet on in the batter's box. I mean, not we're not even talking about a cone and no mask. We're talking about facing him in the batter's box. And it was determined that I would be on his team. So that would alleviate any chance of him trying to hurt me. So, uh, yeah, no chance. Zero chance of that happening because first I know full well, given the opportunity, if I were to dig in there, the first one would be at my ribs. For, for, and you throw behind me because you know I'd go backwards. So the <laughs> advice actually would be to go forward because I know you're going to throw behind me because I will back into it right into my ribs. Well, first of all, I'm living in your head rent-free, so that's a good thing because I <laughs> – Oh, you are. There's no way I would hit you. Uh, I wouldn't have oh. to. It would be uno dos, adios. <laughs> oh, you try to strike me out. You wouldn't even try to. You wouldn't even foul off a ball. Okay. <laughs> I Just would never saying. hit you. I, that but then again, you know what? One How many times get, you've hit me? One might get away though. While I'm broadcasting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, ever get hit there? Ooh, next thing you know, in the neck, on the shoulder. <laughs> And he's stand, very strong. He's, oh, he's very, very strong, like yeah. like super strong, like big baby steroid <laughs> strong. That's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a baby from Twitter this week. That's him. Unbelievable. I mean, why you decided to continue steroids in your broadcasting career? I don't know why you need it. I don't know why it's necessary. It's eyewash. That's what it is. The steroids you take to broadcast baseball games. Eyewash. <laughs> Wait, Wait, the are you going to be the toughest announcer in the National League? I mean, what, what is that? <laughs> oh, I'm so much bigger than Spewey. <laughs> take off Frank Core. Well, he's got nothing. Ugh. Jim Deshay is big deal. Oh, he's so tall. Look at me. 
I don't understand why they're necessary. That's all I'm saying. I know, I know we, we've got into an area that probably the world should hey. not know about. I mean, this was this was a personal thing that I brought out here now. I'm sure a few people are watching. And I yes, Mark Grant is on steroids. They, they, uh, there it they is. Us, right? I, I thought we got tested. Yeah. Uh no. Yeah. No. Negative. I think we're getting, by the way, a free preview of uh, Don's bit in 2020, his newest bit. <laughs> Mud juicing. <laughs> Sorry about it. Sorry about it. <laughs> he wants more exit velocity and launch. Oh, God. I guess. All right. These two uh, back at it tomorrow with a Friar Friday uh, MLB The Show broadcast. Uh, you can watch live at 5.30 on Padres YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. It'll also be replaying tomorrow at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports San Diego. I believe uh, from Petco Park, we've got the Padres and the Chicago Cubs. Zach Davies on the bump for the Friar uh, against uh, the veteran left-hander, John Lester. Don, game preview, please. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Just a pitching matchup alone. I'm looking forward to Zach Davies, to be honest with you, because we saw him during spring training. Obviously saw him in a Brewers uniform. Ten-game winner last year. Uh, Lester, an important year for him. This is the last year of his contract with the Cubs. So I think it's it's, uh, matching up to be a tremendous game tomorrow night. We're looking forward to it. All right, we'll uh, we'll check that out. Thank you both very much. That's the week of social hour. Uh, We do this Monday through Thursday. Uh, These gentlemen take over on Friday with that Friar Friday broadcast, which you can see uh, tomorrow. I I got eyewash. That's all I got. Everything's eyewash. Eyewash. Jeff (laughs) T., what you do is not eyewash. Thanks for doing what you do. Donnie, always good to see you. You as well, Mudley. All right. I got to go. I got to go. See you tomorrow night. Yeah, see you. Eyewash. (laughs) Bye-bye.